Support for WVIK comes from Kathleen Collins at the Dragonfly in Bettendorf. Using both conventional and alternative counseling methods for empowerment to help create change for individuals and couples. More information is at KathleenCollinsCounseling.com. Wheelan Presley and Van Hall Funeral Homes have been serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Wheelan Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Hall in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities. Rock Island County has turned a corner, but what is the financial health of the government today and the imprint of Belgian heritage? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow in the cities. This year marks the 60th year for the Belgian Museum of the Quad Cities, celebrating one of the biggest minority groups to ever settle in the cities. We'll take a closer look in a moment. But first, Rock Island County trying to become rock solid. For years, the county has faced financial crises. But in the last few years, it has shed itself of the county nursing home, it hired a professional administrator to run the day-to-day -day government, and it has weathered controversies, such as the demolition of the old county courthouse. We asked County Board Chairman Richard Bronk to join us to take a look at the challenges that lie ahead for the county. Well, you can ask any taxpayer in, in Rock Island County. Uh, uh, the fourth installment of property tax payments is due on November 7th. Are, are you pretty proud of keeping prices, the costs, and taxes down? Is that what you say to taxpayers now? Is that, look, we're, we're, being, we're being good stewards uh, fiscally? Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, with our current budget proposal for this upcoming year, uh, we're looking at a reduction in our property tax levies of over 6%. That's on top of a reduction of over 9% the year before. So we have, in recent years, we've, the county has either been holding the line or actually reducing our tax levies. Now, so how's that possible? I mean, because let's be honest, uh, with any government uh, uh, source, the majority of what you're paying for tends to be salaries and benefits. The people is, 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 is what's costly. How are you able to bring costs down? Well, the first thing is, Jim, that we want to always look for new ways to, to do things, ways to uh, do things more efficiently. And the honest truth is we've made some tough decisions in recent years, and we've also had some opportunities presented to us that the board and staff and our, and our countywide elected officials, you know, the entire team has managed those opportunities very well, and that has provided us the chance to uh, really get caught up on some things, and, and that includes the financial stability of the county overall. One of the areas, of course, is Hope Creek, the nursing home that the county used to run. That was uh, draining the county of a lot of money. Is that where you're seeing a great deal of the savings? Well, I will say that that has had a significant impact on the county's financial outlook. Matter of fact, I just got word uh, end of last week that we are looking at, I believe it's our third uh, bond rating upgrade since the sale of Hope Creek. Uh, I think that speaks volumes about the county's financial position. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a difficult decision to make, but it was one that was absolutely necessary, 
not only for the county's financial uh, outlook, but also to ensure that the home stayed open. Well, and let's be honest, I, I want to get back to that, but you're, you're talking about a bond improvement. Most people go, well, whatever. But I mean, that that's huge when it comes to uh, Rockland County's debt. That's huge about any uh, investment that you may want to do in the future. Exactly. Very, very much so. Very much so. And when you speak of investments, we also just recently learned that uh, Rock Island County, are, we have uh, more invested at this point, uh, gaining interest for the taxpayers and to help it offset you know, operational expenses than we've ever had in the past. Some would call that like a, a rainy day fund, so to speak. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, yes, exactly. What is it at right now as opposed to what it was? I do not recall the exact figure that the treasurer shared with us the other day, but it, he, again, he said that it is more than we've ever had in the past. Tell me about what that means for you as chairman of Rock Island County Board as opposed to the way it was five years ago, where, where, where I don't want to say you were in crisis mode, but it, it, the Rock Island County was in tough straits. Oh, I, I think you could fairly say that we were in crisis modes. There, there were times where we weren't sure how we were going to make payroll, quite honestly. And, you know, again, there's a lot of things that have led to this, uh, but uh, it, it, it's a good feeling to know that we're not only uh, in a position to uh, ensure the continued uh, uh, services that we are required to provide to our citizens, uh, but also uh, that uh, we're able to catch up on the things that we weren't able to do for decades, uh, whether you're talking about the necessary upgrades to the Sheriff's Department vehicles or capital uh, renovations and repairs uh, to buildings, uh, all of that. Uh, it's, it's a pretty good feeling to be, be catching up on that. And at the same time, again, in recent years, we've been able to lower our rates, provide some relief to taxpayers, uh, and do things like as an example, this current year increased funding for mental health services by about 300000 annually. What was the impact of hiring uh, an administrator, a professional person, to run the county? Because that is relatively new. Right. I, I would definitely say that there's been a benefit to it. There's been a benefit to it. And not only that, but the creation of our finance director a couple of years ago. Uh, we actually have someone within the administration office that is uh, overseeing and, and uh, watching the numbers on a daily basis, 365 days a year. And that both those positions have great brought uh, great value. Let me go back to Hope Creek then. Um, the, the county is no longer operating it. One of the big fears, of course, is that the quality would go down and that the county was basically walking away from the county nursing home. Do you keep tabs, although it, it isn't a county operation, do you still keep tabs on how well Hope Creek is doing? I've... I've had conversations with a handful of people uh, in, in, uh, over the last uh, couple of years, uh, but uh, I, I can't say that I have followed up uh, myself directly uh, because ultimately the nursing homes in the state answer to the Illinois Department of Public Health. And you know I have had questions as to whether or not the county has any oversight or, or anything like that. And, and the answer to that is, is officially no. The county does not have any oversight of nursing homes. And, within the area. The other uh, major controversy that's been resolved, I guess, is the demolition of the old county courthouse. Um, it, it was sad to see a historic building go. Uh, the county did as much as it could to preserve down to the doorknobs that were especially made for Rock Island County. Tell me a little bit about uh, looking back at that controversy, the court case, um, and, and the challenges that you had. Was it all anticipated this way, or, or did it unfold, I know, slower than you expected, but pretty much the way you expected? Uh, well, first of all, Jim, I, I would agree with you. It's, it's 
unfortunate to see it go. Um, that said, you know, any conversation about the demolition of the courthouse really needed to start with the, the design flaws uh, that ultimately led to portions of that building being condemned in the late 1940s. Uh, that's much much of the story has never really been told, if you will. Um, you know that said, um, you know the uh, the county has taken a number of steps to help preserve um, you know portions of the courthouse. The founders tablets, uh, many people uh, may not be aware, were actually incorporated into a renovation project on the third floor of county board chambers across the street in the administration building. Um, and uh, we've taken a number of other steps. You know, Courthouse Memorial Wall, which is within Annex 2 of the Justice Center, uh, has many images and, and uh, floor plans and so on, and history of the building and other buildings that have stood on that site. It is interesting because that site now is fenced off, and I think a lot of people might be saying, okay, now wait a second, the building's gone. What is the plan for that? And I know that in, in, you've said in the past is that that is county property. That's why you did not want to give it up as, as uh, another entity could take over the building. It could be used for future expansion for the courthouse, but what is it going to be used for in the short term? Okay. Well, ultimately, yes, the plan, you know, long-term plan for the county is to consolidate facilities uh, downtown. You know, as you asked, how, how are we able to uh, lower our, our levy rates uh, and continue to actually cover our expenses? Again, continually looking for more efficient ways to operate. And the closer our, our facilities are, the fewer roofs you have to operate, the more efficiently you can do that. And that's lower cost to the taxpayers. Now, in the meantime, uh, we do have contractors on site. They're working on some basic site improvements, uh, some concrete work for some walkways. There will be some benches installed. Uh, a few trees will be added uh, to the property. And uh, we are looking at some other things. We are also working on uh, refurbishing the war memorials that are on site. Uh, and we're looking at some other plans as well. And as those are able to be finalized, we'll be able to share more information on those. Can you share a little bit about one of the uh, memorials in particular? You were talking about the Civil War Memorial. Um, um, people might look at it and, and not understand why it's in as bad a shape as it is. Well, one of the things that we learned is that apparently back in the 1940s, uh, in an effort to try to uh, clean the memorial up, they acid washed the memorial which ultimately done more damage than it did good. And so that has led to uh, much of the decay of that particular memorial. It is interesting because that particular area wasn't really a community gathering space in the last few years. Um, is that what you kind of hope for the short term? Is that it is a county park, um, albeit a small one, that can be enjoyed by residents in the short term before any possible expansion? Yes, yeah, that's that's our ultimate goal is to have it some, have it be somewhere that uh, all the residents of the county and quite frankly our region can be proud of that it could be a, a gathering space, uh, a place where people will be able to uh, perhaps learn a little bit about our not only our county's history but our region's history, and even with uh, you know future future uh, building projects, I would envision that uh, you know much of what we have there if not all of what we have there, will remain intact in, in, in one way or another. Um, I, I don't see the entire property being utilized uh, for building projects. Now, you know, 
15, 20 years from now, I may not very well be here, and who knows what uh, the leadership will you know do at that point. But I, I would see uh, the the monuments, obviously, and and some other aspects of what we put in place today. I would hope that that would continue to be uh, a uh, a spot for for the residents to be proud of. The administration building, as you had mentioned, just across the street isn't a relatively new building either. I believe you got it from, wasn't it the original Royal Neighbors? Modern Woodman. Modern Woodman yep. location. Um, how is that as far as the future is concerned? Well, we actually have been putting a lot of work into that building exactly. uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, we actually are just finishing up a project that involved a new HVAC system, uh, as well as a number of other uh, improvements to the building. I mentioned a renovated county board chambers, which was now ADA compliant, both when it comes to physical access as well as, well as our audio and visual equipment that will be in the room. Um, we are doing some other projects for the, the entrances and both front and back entrances, uh, as well as interior painting and, and some other items that are on our list to complete in the coming year. And, and when you're speaking about the county board chamber, there's also fewer members there. Have, have, you, have you seen that helpful as far as streamlining governance in, in Rock Island County? Um, to be honest with you, the, the only uh, change that I have seen uh, is that it has uh, complicated filling some uh, uh, appointments, if you will. There's appointments both in-house uh, for internal committees as well as uh, some outside committees that members have historically served on in our community. Because there's fewer choices, fewer exactly. members. Exactly. And let's keep in mind that you know, serving on the county board, even as the chair, is considered a part-time position. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is what we all do in addition to everything else we have going on in life. So depending on a, uh, a member's uh, work schedule or family obligations or other obligations, because many of our county board members uh, are involved in other activities within the community, um, it, it can make it a little bit challenging to fill some of those some of those appointments. One of the real arguments, though, was there there was a fear of uh, uh, lessening of rural representation on the board if you have fewer members. Have you seen that? No, no. We actually we were able to maintain not only rural representation but uh, representation of minority areas within the county and underprivileged areas of the county. Um, those were actually priorities that both the committee and the full board. Uh, set when it came to the reapportionment and the reduction of the board. One last area, and you had brought it up, is is the the ability to fund uh, organizations is, is much better or departments. Uh, in, in Rock Island County, people think of law enforcement, they think of the uh, the sheriff's department, and they also think of the uh, district attorney, the state's attorney's office. Tell me about the investments that are being made. Let's start with with policing, um, because that has been a major concern for Rock Island County. Well, I would tell you, you know, first off, Jim, a lot of people are not aware of everything that our sheriff's department actually covers within Rock Island County. Many of the smaller communities in the county, both in the northern and southern portion of the county, rely on the sheriff's department for patrol and response. In addition to that, our sheriff's department often responds to accidents and incidents on our interstate highways in the county. Uh, so with that said, uh, just the fact that we have been able in, in the last several years to upgrade the Sheriff's Department uh, vehicle fleet uh, to, to vehicles that, that are, are more reliable, if you will, fewer, fewer miles, obviously. Um, that's been a huge investment for us, but one that was definitely necessary and was definitely put on the front burner. Uh, in addition to that, uh, with this current uh, budget proposal, it also involves funding two additional Sheriff's uh, Deputies positions. 
uh, one of those positions will be utilized for uh, the, to help with the increased uh, number of prisoner transports. Uh, the other is actually will serve as a school resource officer in the Carbon Cliff area. Now, in addition to that, when the resource officers aren't in the schools, they're actually utilized in other capacities uh, within the department. And what about the prosecutor's office? In the state's attorney's office, uh, we actually, in uh, the last couple of years, we actually uh, provided funding for an additional assistant state's attorney. That is big. As with, as in addition to uh, a couple of other positions uh, that were, were needed within the office. Uh, we also did just uh, approve recently the creation of an office administrator's position as well as a third victim's assistance position, uh, both that the state's attorney felt were, were uh, desperately needed within that office. I know all of the uh, mayors throughout the uh, Quad Cities always give a state of the uh, city address. You do not give a state of the county address, so do it right now. What is the state of the county at this point? Uh, the state of Rock Island County is good. It is, it is, it is really good. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very fortunate for a number of different reasons, uh, whether it be tough decisions, uh, you know, new approach to planning and budgeting, and, uh, you know, opportunities that have presented itself to be in a position where we are not only financially stable, we are working on catching up on things that have not been able to be done for decades. Uh, and we are uh, able to start looking to the future and how we can plan long-term to help ensure the, the sustainability of all the services that uh, the county needs to provide for its citizens. Our thanks to Rock Island County Board Chairman Richard Brunk. The Belgian heritage in the cities may not be as big as it once was, but along 7th Street and Moline, you can still see the Belgian village, play roly-boly at Friends Circle, or visit the Belgian Museum of the Quad Cities. Now, that museum is marking a milestone this year, and its president, Steve Slininger, sat down to talk to us. So this year is marking the 60th year for the uh, Belgian uh, Museum in, in Quad Cities. That is correct. Um, 1963, the Center of Belgium Culture um, organized at Butterworth Center, and um, it was formed to promote and preserve our Belgium heritage, and we're very happy that we made it to 60 years. It is amazing. I mean, you're talking about an area, and I always think of 7th Street in Moline as being kind of the heart of the Belgian village. You've got the Belgian village there. Of you, course, you, yeah. you've, you've got the museum there as well, and I think uh, Friends Circle uh, with the roly-boly that, that, that is played there. What is it about 7th Street? Well, our heritage actually arrived there. They came from Belgium, from the Flanders area. And um, once they, um, around the 1900s, they came and settled into 7th Street Moline. And they had their own grocery store, they had their own hardware store, they even had their own newspaper. And um, we're quite proud that they were able to all make it there. They, um, they traveled from Flanders, which is in the northern part of Belgium. They took um, the Red Star Line and went over to um, Ellis Island, and from there they took a train. And uh, they took the train, and this is a story I'm not sure if it's exactly true, mm -hmm. but once they got into Moline, yeah. most of the immigrants didn't speak English. So I guess the conductor said, Johnny Deer, and they all got off right there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's uh, what, urban legend? So that is, uh, it could be true. How important is it to keep the heritage alive? It is very important. Moline is a, such a, a main center of immigration that we are trying very hard to keep our museum open. Um, we do it through grants. We do it through, we have a store in our museum, which is, by the way, it's at 1608 7th Street, Moline. And we're open from um, 
Wednesdays and Saturdays from one to four. One to four. Mm -hmm. um, we have our Belgian breakfast, and we just um, celebrated our 10th anniversary of our Belgian fest in Stevens Park. It really does keep the uh, culture alive. It does. Keeping the culture alive is very, very, very important. Um, a lot of us in the Quad Cities can trace at least part of their culture and heritage back to the roots in Belgium. Is that so? That is true. There's quite, I mean, yes, it, you know, as the population started growing, you know, we're not 100% Belgian anymore. I'm only 50% myself. Mm -hmm. Slinger is not a uh, Belgian name. <laughs> no, no. Well, on my mom's side, Van Heck is. It's um, on my mom's side, I'm, you know, she was 100%. My grandparents are from Belgium. So tell me, because one of the things that's offered through the museum and, and through uh, your groups is, is a bit of genealogy, um, mm -hmm. an effort to really trace uh, your heritage back. That is correct. Um, that's really one of the most important things we do at the center. Um, genealogy is very important to actually find your ancestors and to trace your roots and maybe even find a distant cousin in the Quad Cities mm -hmm. or back in Belgium. Which is very possible. It is, and it happened to me. Seriously? Seriously, I just came back from the Belgium trip uh, a month ago. And um, we, I can go on and on on this trip too, but we had a person, there's a historical societies over in Belgium that actually are somewhat ded dedicated a bit to Moline. There's like whole sections on Moline, how these people moved from the Flanders area over to Moline. And then one person did a huge genealogy on my family and found, uh, uh, a lot of my lost cousins. <laughs> That's very interesting. It is, yeah. Tell me what the Belgian people have brought to the Quad Cities, because um, it's more than waffles and rolly bowling. Oh, of course. There's um, there's music. There's uh, lace making. We have a very nice exhibit on lace making. In fact, we have uh, a lace making club that comes to our center the second Saturday of each month, and then they practice their skills and they give demonstrations. Um, we have our Belgian chocolates. So we have a very, uh, I have to say, a very nice collection of uh, Belgium beer bottles and cans <laughs> that we've collected over the years. And, and, and the museum, actually, I mean, it's in a bit of a renaissance because you really did bring it back within the last five years. Did you not? I mean, it got the improvements. It, it, it's, yes, it's, we it's had better to than ever. move from one area to another area. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's actually very nice. And we're still working on it. We got some um, grants from um, a couple different people and we're trying to expand it. Tell me that. I mean, how, how do you think that it would be best to build on what you have already? I would like to have like a interactive mm. uh, console where somebody can come in there, hit a button, see maybe even sign, maybe hook into the Red Star Line and see if they can find their family, or maybe find out about our waffle breakfast, or find out about our lace making, or find out about our roly bully clubs. In fact, we have some roly bully clubs that are more than a hundred years old and still active and very strong. You kind of look across the river at the German American Heritage Center. Is that kind of a concept that you wouldn't mind? I don't, you're not gonna make it the exact same, but is that kind of a, a North Star for you? It is, I mean, we're very impressed and we do have a nice relationship with them. In fact, like I said, I'm actually a little part German myself, but I'm like a 50% Belgian. And um, I think they are actually helping with our, um, our, our little stand we're going to have for our Belgian Interactive Center. If 
that comes about. Mm -hmm. Let us talk about Rolling Bully because recently, I mean, Moline was the center of attention for competition. Um, and and was that last year, I believe, last summer around July? Yes, that's true. Um, they have tournaments all the time from, I think they're called the Western Roly Bully League is what we have right around here. And then we have, during our uh, Belgian Fest, we always have a tournament. Um, and in fact, it's one of the highlights of the Belgian Fest itself. Is it great to have that kind of a draw? It is. It actually helps us as a museum. And plus, it's, it's nice to be able to show off our heritage. Belgian Fest isn't that new either, is it? Ten years. We've been yeah. having it for ten years, and we always have our Belgian horses. And of course, the lace makers come. Belgian Village comes over and with their food. I help with the waffle breakfast, and the music is great. It's always a great time. What do you think is going to be the future for, for the Belgian community in the Quad Cities? As, as you said, um, the 100% Belgian person is diminishing, of course. Uh, but do you think your generation, is it passing it on to the next generation? And that's the key, and we need to work stronger on that. It's one of our weakest points. We, uh, that's one of our goals for the center, and we've been trying to add things like we have a scholarship program now. And um, we do that um, in the spring, and we give out three scholarships to high school seniors based on their grades and based on an essay they write about their heritage. And Technically, it doesn't have to be their Belgian heritage. It can just be about their heritage. And I wouldn't say we force them, but we suggest strongly that the winners come over and help us on the Belgian uh, breakfast. And they do. Generally, they're very good. And we've got a lot of our new members from past winners of our, uh, of our scholarship program. How important is it? Um, because America is a homogenized society. Um, how important do you think it is that people connect to their heritage. I mean, you've done it through some uh, geneal genealogical studies. Um, I don't know, do we, do we start to lose something when we become Americans? Yes and no. I mean, it's always great to have your uh, roots known and your heritage, that's always good. But I think just the opposite. I think the mixing of our heritages makes us all stronger. We get a little bit, you know, we have some Belgium in this, which is great. That means I can enjoy a waffle, you know, and I know what really bully is. <laughs> and be proud of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But then you may have another heritage from German or French or some other one, and then you obviously are very proud of that also. And they all have their strengths. 60th anniversary of the museum. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, it is open once again on Wednesdays as well as a Saturdays from 1 until 4. That's correct. You can also um, uh, see lace making, which is uh, the second, call ahead. Yes, second Saturday. Or you can make a, yes, an appointment. That is true. And then, our, of course, our waffle breakfast we have. And that's on um, the first Saturday of each month. And... Um, it's from 8 to 11 a.m. It's at the Friends Circle, which is on the corner of 7th Street Moline and 18th Avenue. And we have a small local group called the Happy Belgians. They play there. So you get to be entertained while you have your waffle and your sausage. Our thanks to Steve Slininger, who is the president of the Belgian Museum of the Quad Cities. Now, the museum on 7th Street in Moline is open Wednesdays and Saturdays from 1 until 4 in the afternoon on the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer. Thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the cities.
Leland Presley and Van Ho Funeral Homes have been serving Quad City families and veterans for over 100 years. Leland Presley is located in Rock Island, Milan, Reynolds, and Van Ho in East Moline, proudly supporting WQPT. Alternatives is a proud supporter of WQPT and has been serving our community for 40 years. Alternatives provides professional guidance to maintain independence and quality of life for older adults and adults with disabilities.